Welcome to the Crowd Church Podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Good afternoon and welcome to Crowd Church. Uh, I'm your host this afternoon with my beautiful wife uh, beside me, actually in a different room, but beside me on the screen. How you doing, babe? Good, good. I think your microphone's going a little bit funny. Yeah, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come and fix that because that's not working. Uh, so, in fact. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll be with you after this short technical problem. I don't know why it stopped working. Uh, are you there? Can you hear me now? Uh, I can hear you. Yeah. Ah, okay. We're getting a little bit of success there. So, welcome to Crowd Church. Uh, when the technology works, we are an online church. Uh, for those that might not see the point of church, for those that are looking for the answers on how to live a more meaningful life, which is what we're trying to do here. Uh, today's service is going to be a little bit different. Um, this week uh, saw the death of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, now, regardless of how you feel about the monarchy, or even if you don't live inside the UK or Commonwealth borders, there is no doubt that this is a momentous point in our history. All I've known in my life, and my wife too, uh, all we've known uh, is the reign of Queen Elizabeth II as she served this country for over 70 years. In many ways I think I kind of thought the Queen would just sort of always be there and never really contemplated her death. This is something that I know many of us have shared uh, over the last few days and it is times like this that I'm reminded yet again both of the fragility of the human life but also of its potential to do extremely good things. I've never met the Queen, I've never spoken to her, but I'm incredibly grateful for her and the life she lived and her example. Just two days before her death, she appointed a new Prime Minister, fulfilling her duty even to the end. She has appointed 15 Prime Ministers, which I just think is crazy, uh, during her reign, and she met 13 of the last 14 US presidents. On her 21st birthday, she now famously devoted herself to the service of this country and has fulfilled that vow and more. So if I'm honest, today I think I'm a little bit sad at her passing and mourn her loss. In a world that's intent on division, she was a voice of unity and strength. So today we are going to remember Queen Elizabeth. And if you live outside the Queen's realms and ask, ask just pray with us uh, and especially for King Charles, the third, who must now fill some very big shoes. So today we are going to look at the faith of Queen Elizabeth, who was a great advocate of the Christian gospel, and draw on some of the teachings that she held dear. So, so today, like I say, it's going to, that's the, the introduction. It is going to look a little bit different. did want to say that. Babe, sorry if you've just joined in. Sharon is actually my wife. If I call her babe, I just, just, how I generally refer to my wife. Uh, what's happening in today's live stream? Well, we've got a few words from the Queen herself talking about her faith. Um, yes, that's going to be interesting. We'll have a chat about that. We've also got a talk by Prince Thomas 
just to save any confusion, his first name is actually Prince. He's not some secret member of the royal family that we got <laughs> from somewhere. Yeah, I've um, not really thought he, about that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be looking at the question, what does the Bible say about itself? And then after that, we're going to play a song, uh, which is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, mm-hmm. uh, during which time you can sing along or you can just think about the words or about the talk. Um, and then we're going to actually have a minute silence for the Queen. And then after that, we're going to come back with me and Matt are going to chat about the talk and about the Queen's words and, yeah, see where it goes. So feel see, free to comment. Yeah, feel free to comment. Uh, because we've no idea where it's going to go. We're going to try and do things a little bit differently. Uh, what's Matt put here? Check out the West Bay. Yeah, okay. Just so you know, Mr. Crew, next week we have a new intro. Yes, we do. Oh. Uh, and there's no West Bite in it anyway. He'll be very pleased to hear that. Uh, so <laughs> at least I hope so anyway. Um, so, yes. Now, obviously the Queen has passed away. That's the big news, isn't it, of the week? Uh, and... Um, we were actually having dinner with friends, weren't we, when we found out? I think we got a text message from Josh uh, letting us know. And Mr. C, uh, Mr. Matt Crew himself. Um, yeah, and my, I went on my news website and it was still saying that she was, um, what was it, when the doctor was, like, she was still alive but was, mm. you know, having medical treatment. And it, it took quite a while for it to catch up. So, yeah, I was still thinking, oh, she's alive, but no. Yeah, because we weren't quite sure, were we? And, and it's, I mean, Matt Crew or Josh, I don't think, would text us that kind of thing as a joke. So uh, we were a little bit like, well, what's really going on here? Um, so, yes, uh, it's one of those things I think I'll now remember the rest of my life. I knew where I was at 9-11. In fact, today is 9-11, uh, which is uh, yet more things to think about. Um, but I remember where I was with 9-11. I remember where I was when the Queen passed. And I remember where I was when the shuttle exploded. Don't know why. Just do. Uh, so yeah, so um, Prince Thomas uh, is going to be talking. What does the Bible say about itself? And this is really, is I think it's a very well timed talk because it's going to tie in with some of the other things that we're going to be talking about today, um, and we're going to bring that in. Now, for me, one of the things that stands out about the Queen, right? Uh, I don't know if it's the same for you, babe. Is this whole idea of serving? So. She was uh, the reigning monarch, but she was also, uh, uh, I think, a big servant to the country. I don't know if you would agree. I don't know if you watching would agree, but that's just my opinion, right? I don't know what your overarching things are that you remember about the Queen. Yeah, I think it's incredible that she's been working right up until a couple of days before her death. I mean, mm. how many other, was she 96? Yeah. How many other 96, do you know, other 96-year-olds do you know that carry on working up till then, do you know what I mean? I think that's quite incredible. It is uh, a real sense of duty. Uh, I mean, it's what, these are the common words that we hear uh, reference uh, Queen Elizabeth, aren't we, over the last few days, is uh, the sense of duty, the, the, the way in which she served the country. Um, she was, t- everyone was amazed she was appointing a new prime minister two days ago, uh, or two days before her, her passing. Um, yeah, really, really incredible. And the reason I mention this, I mean, obviously, it's one of those overarching memories. Uh, the Queen said this uh, when it came to serving. She said, um, he, talking about Jesus, makes it clear that genuine human happiness and satisfaction lie more in giving than in receiving, more in serving than being served. It's a really interesting 
philosophy, isn't it, for uh, for the the monarch to have? Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because monarchs of old were not like that. Um, I think obviously we live in a very different age, a very different uh, mindset. Yeah. But I think mean, yeah, there is that that sense of kings from a long time ago expecting to be served. Mm. But I think it is very much rooted in the Christian faith that to lead actually means to be a servant like Jesus um, showed us what it means to lead and that is to serve other people. And I I'm, I think one of the things that really impresses me about the Queen is that she made that promise all those years ago to serve her country until the end of her days. Mm. And uh, I think uh, maybe nowadays it's quite easy to make promises but and then like something comes up and it's a bit inconvenient to keep that promise and it's easy to put it aside. But I really admire the fact that she kept her promise right mm. until she, when she died. Yeah, mm. it's, a, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? One of the things that I've heard said about the Queen is she's one of the greatest Britons that's ever lived. Now, I, you know, theology, etc. aside, this is not an argument I need to get into. Uh, one of the things that I do know is that Jesus said, this as I bring the verse onto the screen. Uh, he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so Jesus talks about this, doesn't he? He talks about if you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. And I think uh, for me, I suppose this is one of the, the sort of the lessons you learn from the life of the queen. Yes, you know, that was it always like that? Was she perfect? No. Did she get it right all the time? No, far from it. Was her family a bit messed up? Yes, probably. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot going on, isn't there, that we could say, well, hang on. And she, does she have privilege? Yes. Yes. Um, but you show me any family on the planet that is perfect. Certainly there's none in the Bible, right, uh, that we, none, absolutely no perfect family. And despite all of that, she served, right? And so um, I think that, I think that's super inspirational, uh, actually, is this whole, servant thing uh, yeah. and, the... and I think going back to the previous quote which talked about happiness and, and again I think we can fall into the trap of um, pursuing happiness and making that our goal mm. and we all want to be happy don't we but I think um, like that quote in the bible make it clear is that if we pursuing happiness is not actually the way to happiness mm. Jesus says to seek his kingdom first and then all the other things that we need and we want not necessarily all that we want but you know all the things that yeah. help us to flourish he will bring those along and i think happiness is a byproduct of serving god and you know living in relationship with him yeah absolutely absolutely so first few thoughts of the queen uh what about you what do you what would you say uh <laughs> You were around at the Garden of Eden, Matt Edmondson. Well, thanks for that, Matt. <laughs> uh, what was it like? Was he put What was it like meeting Archimedes and the likes of Julius Caesar? Uh, they weren't as good as the Queen. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Mr. Crew, you and I are going to have a conversation. That's uh, that's coming very soon. Be prepared. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What we'll do now is we will get into today's talk. Now, just to bridge here what's going on. In fact, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a video from Queen Elizabeth herself. So here is part of her Christmas speech from, I think, 2002. Let's play this. I know just how much I rely on my own faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. 
Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. Like others of you who draw inspiration from your own faith, I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. Now, this um, I thought was fa fascinating because this is the other thing that stands out to me about the Queen, right? So she was a servant um, and very dutiful. But her, her faith, let's put it, uh, you know, she seems to me to have a very real and strong faith that, uh, in her words, go through tough times and good times. Um, and she talked about, uh, I think in 2004, she said that uh, faith, you know, it was the anchor, uh, I've got the quote here, the anchor of my life. And so, uh, you know, our queen had a very real faith uh, and was very secure in the hope of the Christian gospel, which is what she just said, right? Um, and I think that's important to note, actually, right here at the start, is um, death is a funny thing. Um, and when someone dies and we feel sad and we mourn, uh, we do start to think about death and we start to think about the reality of the fact that, you know, we're all mortal at the end of the day, including the Queen. Uh, so our hope can't be in people, right? It's got to be in 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 the Christian gospel, in the gospel message, in Christ himself, which is what I believe she was saying there, babe. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I, I've um, on social media seen some comments with people with having that sense of, um, you know, things being different and changing and shifting because she has been around for a very long time, for most of our life. And then it's like, oh, she's not there now. Um, and I think you're right. Yeah, we can't put our hope in people or the stuff around us because those things are temporary and like we've said not perfect either mm. so yeah it's like um uh, god and his word uh the things that are eternal and dependable and always there and don't change um yeah and i like yeah i do like that it's nice to have some sense of security isn't it in a world that is constantly changing and shifting yeah it is it is very much so uh, and one of those things which is central to the Christian faith is obviously the Bible, hence the reason, you know, we're asking the question, what does the Bible say about itself today? Uh, and we wanted to carry on that talk. We wanted to play that talk because we felt it fitted uh, with um, a conversation about the Queen, about her servanthood and about her faith, uh, which we're going to talk more about in Conversation Street, as well as some of the questions that you guys have sent in about the Bible uh, and uh, whatever you guys write in the comments uh, and we'll, we'll we'll join up with that in just a little bit. Uh, so we are going to play today's talk. Uh, this is Prince Thomas, whose first name is Prince. Uh, he's not actually from the royal family, let's just be like Sharon said. Although he, I think he should be a member. The guy is an absolute legend. He's, uh, he's, he's fab, isn't he? He's one of my favorite people on the planet, Prince. He's such a cool dude. Uh, so we are going to hear from him. Then, like Sharon said, we're going to have a time of worship. After the worship, we will observe a minute's silence. Um, so, yeah, we will do that. It might be really hard for people like Matt Crew to be silent for a minute, but we will observe a minute's silence. Uh, and then Sharon and I will be back for Conversation Street. So here, without further ado, is Prince. <laughs> 
And so happy to be here, bringing to you some thoughts about what the Bible says about itself. It's worthy to note that none among the 40 contributors to the Bible ever imagined that their works will be compiled to form a unified book, which would then be used by tens of millions for centuries to come. And hence, the unique challenge in presenting this subject. I am reminded of Paul's letter to Timothy, which exhorts Timothy to read the scriptures so that they will make him wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It reads like this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, people spend a lifetime reading this book. They research about it and they write papers on them. But in this given short span of time, I'd like to put down what the Bible says about itself in four words that begin with the letter S. The Bible says about itself that it is supreme, it is sufficient, it is self-illuminating, for the spiritually inclined, and it saves by introducing the reader to the Savior. So it is supreme, sufficient, self-illuminating for the spiritually inclined and saves. Let's look at why the Bible says itself as supreme. It's supreme because we as Christians believe that it is an inspired word of God. Its inspiration is supernatural. There is no other way to describe it when a library of 66 books, which has 1,187 chapters and 31,173 verses, written by 40 people in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek and Aramaic, covering a span of around 1,500 years. Yet, it weaves through its pages a unity in theme that there is salvation of the human race 
through the person of Jesus as Christ. That itself is incredible. And for the discerning reader, this book is as relevant today as it was 2000 years ago. Its supreme authority by virtue of its origins, that is, we know that it is God-breathed, is perhaps the reason why millions of people over the centuries have found it to be sufficient, which brings to my second point that the Bible says about itself that it is a sufficient book. Why is it sufficient? Because it is not man's vision of God, but God's vision for man. Hence, it provides wisdom and solution for all ranges of human behavior. As we read in uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, which, which I just read now, we, we, we see that it corrects, it rebukes, it teaches, it trains a person for every good work. It is a book which has spoken with the same intensity to presidents and prisoners. Abraham Lincoln, famous president of America, has often quoted this book on various important junctures in his life, both political and personal. We have life examples of many prisoners coming to Christ through prison ministry fellowships. And because it's God's vision for man, its integrity is unquestionable. Because it, it doesn't whitewash any personality here. For example, it portrays King David in all his valor and splendor. And at the same time, it exposes him for all his vulnerabilities. This integrity validates the Bible as an all-sufficient resource to mankind from the Maker himself. Bible says about itself as a sufficient book. And as with any worthy resource, you get the most benefit out of it when you approach it with the right attitude and mindset, isn't it? And that brings me to my third point, that the Bible comes across as self-illuminating for the spiritually inclined. People can read the Bible for, for its signs. Some people say it is a book of poetry. And, you know, it, it, it has 66 books and you know, it's got all genre in it. But by the end of the day, the Holy Bible is God unfolding his plan for mankind. There is a very deep spiritual message in it. And hence, the Bible says about itself that it's self-illuminating for the spiritually inclined. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 7, there is this beautiful quote which I like. It says, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? The way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. 
It's a very often repeated quote. It said, the Bible is the only book whose author is always present when one reads it. How true it is. In the New Testament, Apostle John records an interesting conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. He was referring to what would eventually happen after his physical departure from earth. Jesus said that he would send his spirit on his behalf, his Holy Spirit, which we call Holy Spirit now, to reside on his believers as a source of Jesus' power and God's guarantee. We see that in John chapter 15 from verses 13 to 15. I'll just read it. It goes like this. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. You see, the Bible is a spiritually loaded book and it is self-illuminating for the spiritually inclined. So, to just recap my previous point, I said that the Bible is supreme. The Bible is sufficient. The Bible says about itself that it is a self-illuminating book for the spiritually inclined. But finally, I would have missed out the point completely if I don't mention the most important reason for Bible's existence. The Bible says about itself that it is able to save mankind because it would introduce the reader to the Savior himself. How does it do that? It constantly empowers the believer to lead fulfilling life, not only during his time on earth, but also after we have passed away. The Bible saves. The Bible saves. The belief of a, a Christian, and basically our Christian worldview, is that we as a race have fallen from the Maker's grace due to the initial disobedience. And Jesus came down to redeem us from the fallen state by shedding his blood as a sacrifice to put us right with the Holy God. And we need to believe in the work of his Son in order for us to be saved. The Message Bible has put this so eloquently. In John chapter 3 verse 16 to 18, the Message Bible reads like this. Quote, This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son. And this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. 
God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him as long has been, uh, uh, anyone who refuses to trust him has long been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. And that's what the Message Bible says, John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. We know the NIV version of it, which says, So God, and for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Dear listeners, as we face this coming week, let us revisit the Bible to unlock what God wants to speak to us for our lives. Thank you for your patient hearing. God bless. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Of glory die, my richest gain. I count the loss and poor contempt on all my. Oh
go so uh, welcome back and apologies once again for that technical glitch during Prince's talk I've no idea what happened other than I think I dropped something on my desk which might have hit a key which might have done something I don't quite know anyway these things happen as Matt crew pointed out in the comments every week there's a technical issue uh, that happens on a regular basis so but the good news is we did sort out your microphone didn't we babe uh, yeah, I couldn't tell anything uh, that there was a problem the first time around, so yeah, do I sound okay now? Yeah, yeah, no, you're all good. You are all good. So, welcome back after Prince's talk. What does the Bible say about itself? Uh, we're going to get into that. Uh, we're going to carry on a conversation about Queen Elizabeth. Thank you for observing Mr. Crew and everybody else, the, the, moment, the minute silence. Uh, I, I don't know what you were doing during that I minute. Mean, I was just praying for our country uh, and uh, that God's grace would extend to it uh, over the coming weeks because man alive, do we need it. I've just actually noticed when I do this, I can see my I can see my picture on the screen on the left here. I've got some paint on my, uh, on my arm. 
guess what I was doing yesterday. Anyway, so welcome back. What does the Bible say about itself? Now, uh, there was a question which came in from Mike this morning, which I thought was a very well-timed question. Um, uh, Mike is a chap that's been emailing me. Any questions you've got, you can email in. We'd love to hear from you guys um, or contact us through the website. And Mike was... I have a feeling that this question's about to come my way. Yeah, get ready. Prepare yourself. That's why I'm in the driver's seat, because I get to ask the questions rather than answer them. It's awesome. Um, Mike's question, what does it mean the Bible is inspired of God? Prince covered this a little bit, didn't he? He touched on this concept a little bit. All scripture is God breathed was uh, what he read out from Second Timothy. What does that mean, though? Go ahead, babe. You're a classic theologian. Let's see what you've got to say. <laughs> Not sure about that. Um, I think it, it really means that the Bible is written by God, but through humans. And I, I don't think it means that he took over their bodies like an alien or anything like that. Just that, and yeah, I don't exactly know how that works, but that he used people to get written down what he wants written down mm. in the way he wants written, it written. But that he also works through the people's personalities and their backgrounds and their experience and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Throwing it back. <laughs> Everything you've just said is fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, one of the things that Mike went on to ask was actually, how did John write John's gospel, right? Was, was there the voice of God in his head saying, you shall write this? Uh, in God voice. I, I'm looking for the effect. I won't mess with the effects on the panel. But, uh, but in like a deep God voice, thou shalt write dot, dot, dot. Um, and I don't think that was the case at all. I mean, John's gospel, like many of the books in the Bible, is actually a historical account. He was writing of what he saw and what he experienced and what he was part of. Um, but I think he can still be inspired of God to write that down. Um, and I think that's the important thing, isn't it, actually, with the, with the Bible? It is inspired of God. It is God-breathed. So many Christians around the world do think the Bible is the word of God. And that lends itself, again, something Prince touched on, to a certain kind of authority. Uh, and I guess one of the big questions that Christians have or have been debating is how much authority does the Bible actually have? How much authority does a 2,000-year-old manuscript actually have in modern-day Western societies um, or Eastern societies or the rest of the world? You know, what, what kind of authority should it have? And this is where there's been some mass mahusif debate, isn't there? It's, it's like um, you, you go from... The, the Christians who would say that the Bible is the ultimate resting place, it is the authority of God, it is the word of God, and therefore what it says goes. Um, and then you've got people over here that go, well, the Bible is a really nice book, and we'll take bits and we'll leave bits, and, you know, that bit doesn't apply, and this bit does apply, and, and we'll just, do you know what I mean? Is that, that, that is what it is. So, all of that said, back to you, babe. Comments, uh, please. Comment, wow. <laughs> it's nothing like landing me in it, is there? <laughs> Sorry, I'll pay for it later. Uh, Matt Cruz says, when Matt Edmondson wrote the book of Genesis. <laughs> He's a cheeky one, isn't he? He's got it on him today, hasn't he? He's got it on him today. I didn't write the book of Genesis. Uh, Moses wrote the book of Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible. Yeah. 
but yeah, back to your question, comments. I think um, we see Jesus himself put a lot of, um, he saw the Old Testament, so that's the Bible that was written before he was around, as incredibly authoritative. I can say that word, <laughs> getting stuck. Um, and whenever he was asked questions, he would often refer back to the Old Testament mm-hmm. as a source of authority. Um, so I think if we're wanting to follow Jesus, then we need to accept what he says about the Old Testament and, and accept it as having authority. Um, and then, yeah, was, I think Jesus showed that his words have authority in the fact that he he said that he would um, uh, he would die and then rise again, and he did that. So I think to me that gives him pretty pretty good amount of authority there. Yes, it does absolutely, and I would totally agree with you. We did cover this more uh, when we did the Alpha course online. There's a I'm just looking at the website now. If you head over to the Crowd Church website. Um, there's a, a, a live stream, how to read the Bible and why you should, Alpha Course number six, where it goes into the Bible in quite a bit of detail. Um, so just to add to that, if you want to deep dive into it a bit more, you can check out that talk. Now, speaking of the authority of the Bible, um, and uh, just bringing that back into uh, the fact that we have, you know, this week, the, the Queen has passed away. And we were talking earlier about her faith. Uh, one of the things that I know you love the topic of, and one of the, th- the topics I know the Queen loved and drew on, was this whole concept of forgiveness. Now, I want to get into this a little bit. I'm going to play a video from the Queen, uh, from the Queen's speech, I think it was 2016. So here's uh, the Queen talking about forgiveness. Although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important there they are, but a savior with the power to forgive. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It can heal broken families It can restore friendships, and it can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. Okay, so it is in the power of forgiveness that we feel God's love. And I thought we should have a conversation about this, because obviously, like I say, the Queen draws on it, and then... So this is where the authority of God's word, I think, can get challenged quite a bit, right? Because why should I forgive when they've done me wrong? I don't care what the Bible says, right? This is this is how I feel. And actually, uh, both Queen Elizabeth and you, my queen, uh, <laughs> have, have something to say about this, right? Yeah, but before we get into that, can I just congratulate you for getting a Christmas tune into the live stream in September? <laughs> scored hashtag life goals i feel like you're keeping up there with the shops and stuff <laughs> do you know what i was in they're completely unrelated to anything i was in st andrews the other day dropping josh off at uni and they have a christmas shop just devoted to christmas decorations i've only ever seen this in san francisco before where they they had like a christmas decoration shop, but they've got now now got one in, in st andrews 
a little bit too soon for me. But yes, uh, thank you for that. We got a Christmas tree in September. With all that Christmas tree talk, I've forgotten what the question is. Forgiveness and challenging. So this whole idea of the Bible being the authority of God, um, it talks about forgiveness. Yeah. And I think this is just a great example of how we, different people can v view this in different ways, right? Yeah. I think if, if we do take the Bible seriously on the subject, then it tells us to forgive no matter what, even if we don't feel like it, which, I mean, we rarely feel like forgiving, to be honest, uh, because that's the very nature of the thing, that somebody's done something wrong, and really we want, we want revenge more often than not. But I think that is where we kind of, as Christians, we go, hang on a minute, I might feel like taking revenge and doing these other things, but actually I need to listen to what God's saying through his word, mm. and he says to forgive. Um, it doesn't just tell us to do stuff. He also gives us the ability to do it through his Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, so I think that's where, you know, putting God's word first and giving it authority in our lives affects what we then go on to do. Yeah. And the, uh, the, 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 the sort of the reason for mentioning this, obviously, is actually it's a great example of when you do that, when you put God's words first, you get a better outcome. Yeah. You do, do, I'm not saying this is, you know, do this and God will make you a millionaire. Well, that's not the better outcome that I'm talking about. But forgiveness always brings freedom, whereas unforgiveness doesn't. And we find that actually when we challenge God's word and God's authority, there's a level of freedom that we're missing. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And forgiveness, like you can forgive someone, but it doesn't change the fact that whatever happened, happened. And sometimes that can be pretty major stuff, but it does change how you feel internally, I think. Well, I've, I know that from my experience, from having been very bitter and just feeling quite dark inside to then forgiving and just feeling that sense of lightness and relief. Um, and there's definitely been times where I've experienced that when I really did not want to forgive. Mm. A number of reasons, one because it's letting the person off in a sense, but also because it's like, well, I have to take responsibility and for how I feel and how I act. And it's like, but I don't want to do that. I want to blame them. Um, so, but yeah, but have, after having done it, being initially resistant, there was such an amazing sense mm. of freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it, I guess uh, if you're watching this and you're new to the Christian faith, it might sound a bit odd to say, well, why would I live according to the rules of a book that's 2,000 years old? Um, it's not just living to the rules of a book that's 2,000 years old. It's actually submitting yourself to God and his way of living. And I think that's a much better way to understand it. There is a lot about the Bible that I don't understand. And there's oh. stuff that I am learning every day. Uh, and I've been a Christian 30 years, but I know enough to trust it when I understand it. Do you know what I mean? And, and those sorts of bits. Um, I like what Prince said as well about it's the only book where you have the author there mm -hmm. with you as you're reading it. But also yeah. it's more than just reading a book, isn't it? The Bible talks about how it's God, God's word and he actually speaks to us through that, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it does. And it contains life. Uh, and there's so many good reasons why we should read and understand the Bible. Um, <clears throat> as Christians, it is a central thing to our faith. Now, I want to play one more video from Her Majesty the Queen, and then we'll be back. This is, I think it's like a 30, 40 second video. So we'll be back after this. 
It is this simplicity of the Christmas story that makes it so universally appealing. Simple happenings that form the starting point of the life of Jesus, a man whose teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock of my faith. His birth marked a new beginning. As the carol says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. So there you go, another Christmas tree um, uh, in the video. Uh, all these clips are obviously from the Queen's speeches, the Christmas speeches, which she does every, or did every year. Um, and the reason I wanted to play that uh, was that was her last Christmas speech uh, from 2021. And she talked in that about the life of Jesus and how it's been handed down from generation to generation and how it is the bedrock of her faith um, and how it talks about new beginnings. And I thought, actually, this is a great springboard, if you like, for me to talk to you uh, about what is coming up, uh, a series called Origin. Uh, now, I've mentioned this on the live stream a couple of times before, but uh, just going what Her Majesty said, the, the life of Jesus and how, how was something that happened 2,000 years ago, a man born, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, how is it that the Queen of modern day Britain, 2,000 years later, is talking about him and saying that he is the bedrock of her life? That's quite insane when you think about, do you know what I mean, the, the impact of that. And so what I want to do, or in crowd, what we want to do what we, is what we, we're going to go right back to the beginning and look at the origin of this and go, how did this all start? So... Um, we're going to look at the life of Christ between now and Christmas. We're going to whistle through John's Gospel, um, which is a gospel in the, the New Testament, which chronicles the life of Jesus. We're going to be using the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The time frames from the book of Devotions, which is a frontline book, which you can get if you want to contact us at Crowd. Um, uh, we'll be putting the stuff online, so don't panic if you don't have it. But we're going to whistle stop through John's Gospel. Then after Christmas, we are going to not whistle through the book of Acts. We're going to go a little bit slower, uh, like we did with the Gospel of Mark. Um, and we're going to look at the book of Acts, which chronicles the sort of the early church and how this grew from one man who gathered 12 men into thousands and just how this thing exploded and why it's still having an impact on us today. Uh, in modern day England. So I'm very excited about this series called Origin. Uh, so that I thought was brilliantly done by Her Majesty giving me that opportunity. And a uh, good connection, well done. Yeah, we're totally. Queen and the new series. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the way it's going to work is John Harding is going to kick it off next week. He's going to be looking at a story from John's Gospel, uh, from the first chapter of John, the week after. I think I'm doing a talk. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to put um, sections of the gospel out. So we're going to say, right, this week, uh, if you're following along, read through this section of John's gospel. We'll put those on social media. And then the talk on this, the live stream will be based on something that happened in those readings. We're not going to try and cover everything that you will have read that week because that would be a really long sermon. Uh, but we're going to cover, we're going to pick something out of that talk and we're going to cover that. Uh, and so... 
yeah, do get excited. We are going to be getting into John's Gospel. So read the first, if you get a chance, read the first chapter of John's Gospel this week. Uh, we will stop putting, like I say, the stuff out on social media. So connect with us on social media if you haven't done so already. Um, or head over to the website if you want to find out the links uh, at Crowd Church. In fact, if I, where's my little, why's my little button not working? Let me do this. There you go. Let me bring the website up. <clears throat> That's how you reach us at Crowd Church on social media or the website www.crowd.church. So that's what's coming up, Origin, which means this is the end of what does the Bible say about. Wow. We've been doing this for quite some time now. How long is it? It's been about a year, I think. We've done a lot of them, let me tell you. A lot of them. And they've been great, actually. I've really enjoyed them. What's your standout ones? Hmm. That's quite hard to say. I think the one I found most interesting actually um, talking about myself was what does the Bible say about loneliness? Because I've not really thought about it and it made me think about it. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, it's actually quite a lot of interesting points. Mm. So, I thought so anyway. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> it was a great talk, babe, honestly. Uh, no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've, I've, I've loved the whole series. So thank you, everybody that's um, done talks and prep talks, uh, taking part in the conversations, comments. It has been a fun series. No doubt we'll pick up something quite similar again, but for a little while we are going to be doing Origin. No doubt that will probably take about a year because we're not known for going through things quickly here, no, are we, really. crowd? No. No, we like to take a time. We like to mull on things. It's just unbelievable. Uh, please pick a decent font uh, for the new intro video for our Origin series. No. <laughs> That's just what's in the comments. Uh, obviously, not someone not liking our design taste. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, so, yeah, we've got the Origin. We've got, actually, next week, there's going to be a whole new intro. I think I might have mentioned this. Uh, we have some new music, uh, which is sounding... Can you here we go so this you can hear this music has been written by josh this is going to be the new crowd theme oh yes little preview coming up here uh i'll just leave that mulling over in the background as we close out the service um so you'll hear that you'll see the new intro next week so yeah a lot of change happening next week dan orange is going to be hosting so do come join us for that uh it's going to be epic have I missed anything out, babe? Can you think if I've missed anything out? Not that I can think of. Anything else you want to add? Any other thoughts on the topics of conversation for today? Uh, I don't think I do, no. Well, Sorry for all thoughts. <laughs> They've been slow coming this weekend, I'll well, tell you. <laughs> yeah, it has. And just to say right here at the end, obviously, uh, I can banter and joke and say things like, oh, it's great that Queen Elizabeth could join us on the final episode of What Does the Bible Say About? But fundamentally, uh, it is with great sadness, obviously, at the passing of the Queen that we've added the stuff in today. Um, and like I said at the start, I'm just a very grateful man uh, for a lady who led by example, uh, both serving and with faith. Uh, and I think that's what what hopefully we've tried to bring out tonight so thank you so much for joining us uh, wherever you are in the world watching this as i say if you're outside of the uk do pray for england and the commonwealth because 
A lot of change is happening uh, and we need all the help we can get, as does King Charles III. So do pray for him. Uh, that's it from myself and from Sharon. We're going to end the service with uh, one more song. The song will play uh, and you can sing along or hum along. You can stick around in the comments if you would like. Uh, but once the song has finished, the live stream will end. Uh, and so that's it from myself and from Sharon. Uh, I think I've covered everything, so I'm going to close the music down and bring on the worship. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Bye for now. Bye, oh, press the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. What is our hope? In life and death, Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence? That our souls to Him belong. Who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us to? End, the love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life. What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good, God is good. Where is His grace and goodness known? In our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith? When fears arise, who stands above the stormy trial? Who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ? Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Christ, our hope in life and death. Unto the grave, what will we sing? Christ, He lives, Christ, He lives. And what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with Him. And we will rise to meet the Lord Then sin and death will be destroyed And we will feast in endless joy When Christ is ours forevermore Oh, sing hallelujah Our hope springs eternal
Christ, our hope in life and death.